Proverbs chapter 4. Continuing our study here through the book of Proverbs. Okay, we're going to do uh, all of Proverbs 4 here. Now, as you know before, as we've been going through the book of Proverbs here, the key thing in the book of Proverbs is always about wisdom, guidance, and direction. What does God want us to do? And making smart choices in what God wants us to do. Now, when I like to read one of these chapters, I always like to read the chapter and say, okay, Lord, what's the key point you're trying to get out of this? I think when you look at Proverbs 4, the key verse is verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Isn't that the truth? Wisdom is the principal thing. If you got wisdom, life is going to go a whole lot better. Just stop and think for a second. For you that have walked on this world for a while, how many times do you wish you could go back and make a different decision? Wisdom says you should have handled it this way. And you realize that, and you see that, and you're just like, wisdom says, boy, if you just would have done it this way. And you know, there's those little catchphrases, hindsight's 2020. And there is some truth to that. There's a lot of decisions I wish I could go back and change. Have you ever had one of those decisions where right as you're making that decision, you're stopping saying, this is really a dumb choice, but the words are already coming out of your mouth? See, wisdom says, let's think before we speak. And this is why we study this book out. This is why we have times of prayer and devotions throughout the week is because you never know when those situations are going to pop up. And sometimes you don't have time to say, you know what, you just really asked me a really good question, so let me go pray about this for a couple hours and I'll come back with you with an answer. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. That's why we need to be, as the Bible says, prepared in season and out of season because you never know. When that phone rings, you don't know what's on the other end of that. When you show up for work tomorrow, you don't know what they're going to say. When your spouse says, hey, i got to talk to you, you don't know what's going to come out of his or her mouth. You don't know. So we need wisdom all the time because we never know what life is going to throw at us. So therefore, wisdom is the principal thing. Verse 7, therefore get wisdom, and all you're getting, get understanding. So now the rest of this chapter is all about wisdom. Now, the first part of this chapter, verses 1 through 6, if wisdom is the key, what's the best way to get wisdom? It's to get them while they're young. Verse 1, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no one understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. You know, if this is Solomon speaking like we think he is that wrote the book of Solomon, excuse me, book of Proverbs here, Solomon's giving us a little bit of insight into what it was like to be raised by King David and Bathsheba. David trying to give him wisdom. You know, here he is sitting on Bathsheba's lap trying to hear these things. See, this is one of the principal things we have as a parent is to train up our kids in the Lord. You know, a verse that we quote a lot, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he will old, he will not depart from it. Now, the problem is with this idea of train. A lot of us think train means, let's just get them to 18. That's all. Let's just get them to 18, and then our responsibilities are done. Train literally means to dedicate, meaning that when you have a child, you are dedicating your life to raise that child in a godly way. You know, that's why we have, like, Kurt and Rachel come up here. That's why we do these public child dedications. It's because 
You guys may have Jarrett in Sunday school for the next how many years? You guys may have Kurt in a Bible study with you, Rachel in a Bible study with you. And you know what? We want to help them train that child in the way they should go, just like Dawn and I with our kids. You want to help us train our child, not just get them to 18, but train them in a godly way so that way they make good, wise decisions. Because you guys know, as well as I do, your kids will grow up more like you than what you want them to. And for some of you, that's good. For some of you, one of you is way too much. And so to have two of you is not a good thing. It's scary. You know, we were just pulling into the um, garage the other day. And I, we pull into the garage, hit the garage button to shut the door. And we got one of those garage doors that if something gets in the way, you know, it automatically stops and goes back up. And it happens the majority of the time. Because we have this dog. His dog's name is Maddox. You've heard me talk about him before. When we come in, Maddox decides to come in the garage too. But Maddox always chooses the time when the door is going down to come in. And we don't know why. Well, so as we're going in and the door is coming down, the door goes back up. You can hear it. Kenan, number three, who's a little over two, hear him say something. And it's like, Kenan, what did you say? I heard him repeat it. Kenan's saying, dumb dog. <laughs> now, you know I try my best to raise my kids in a godly Christian way. And I'm constantly battling Dawn on that because she wants to bring him down. <laughs> Every time the dog comes in the garage... Dawn always says, dumb dog. That's how she refers to him. She has this love-hate relationship. And so every time she talks about the dog, it's dumb dog. If, if the dog pulls something out of the garden that was supposed to be there, it's dumb dog. If the dog did this, dumb dog. So now Kenan, who's two, when the dog does something, just says, dumb dog. And so when he walks outside, he sees dog. He doesn't say Maddox. He just calls it dumb dog. Because that is what he sees, hears, and understands. Now, you know, that's one funny example, but you know as well as I do. When I hear little kids say words they shouldn't say, we know where we're getting it. You know, when you see kids that do things they shouldn't do, it's like, okay, you know where they're getting it. And I'm just giving you a forewarning because you're going to have my kids in Sunday school. So when you hear or see them say something, you know it's Dawn. Because <laughs> I'm training them. I am training them. But the point is, if you can get them while they're young and really ingrain wisdom to them, you know what? When they're 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're going to make godly choices in the Lord. Because they have been trained to make godly choices in God. Wisdom. So wisdom is the principal thing, verse 7. And so verses 1 through 6, let's get them while they're young. Now you may say, I don't have kids. Okay, you don't have kids. If you have nieces and nephews, you want to encourage them. If you have friends that have little ones, you want to encourage them. And if you don't have any children all, if you serve here in the ministry in the back, you want to encourage those kids to make good, wise choices. I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to be around some young person in your life where you want to encourage them to make good, godly choices. That's what you want to do. Give them wisdom. So that way when they have wisdom, verse 7, they get it. They have understanding. They can then make good choices. Because why? Wisdom will bless you. Look at verses 8 and 9. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Now, you know, I'm not saying get wisdom so that way you can be elevated. No, but when you are wise and you make smart choices, people will already respect you more. That's a fact. When I was going through this lesson, I was thinking of the people I call when I say, I don't know what to do. And I was going through them. They have never done anything to say, hey, look at me, I'm smart. But there's just wisdom in their life and in their experiences and how they live. And you say, boy, I feel comfortable calling that person to say, hey, what do you think about this? Now, I don't make decisions based on what somebody else says. It's between me and the Lord. But there's also wisdom, the Bible says, in the counsel of many. And there's people I trust and respect to say, hey, I just want to bounce this idea off you. What did you think about that? 
And when I look at them, I look at them, I exalt them, not in a godly way, but I know they have wisdom. I honor them. You know, they have this crown on them of wisdom. And I really respect what they think and say. And if you think of somebody right now that you really respect of what they think and say, I'm willing to bet there's probably wisdom in that person's life. And you've seen them make good, godly choices over the years, and you say, I want that too. Because now what it comes down to is, there's two paths that you have to choose. And the Bible always makes things black and white. And what we're going to go here now from verse 10 on is the path of life, and there's also something called the path of the wicked. Wisdom keeps you on the path of life. Now, it's interesting to note in Proverbs 4 here, the word life or live is used five different times. And it says wisdom promises you life. In fact, it even goes one step further. It says wisdom promises you health. Look at verse 22. We're jumping ahead for a little bit. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, I struggle with that for a little bit. Because I know some godly people that had a lot of wisdom that died very early. And they did not have physical health. I know some godly people that their life was not really a blessed life and maybe not really a long life. So you look at these verses and you start saying, okay, God, are you wrong or are we misinterpreting life and health? So I looked up these words, life and health, and it's very interesting. The word life literally means green. Fresh water, spring. That's what it means. And you know, when you start thinking about that, I start thinking about that. Life, spring, fresh water, green. I have met people and seen people that were literally on their deathbed and they still had life. Now, how is that possible? Because John 10.10, what does Jesus say? I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The physical body may fall and die, but you can still have life and death. And you can still be revived. You can still have that life. And what a joy that could be. I remember distinctly, you guys remember um, George Jones that used to uh, come out here with us. And uh, she passed away. And I remember going to visit her one time at the uh, nursing home. And I remember going in there, and Georgia wasn't doing good at the time, physically wasn't doing good at all. And, you know, literally was, here she was dying. And I remember walking in, and she had her hand up on the window. And, and I, you know, sat down for a little bit. It was kind of hard to talk to Georgia for a while there, you know. And I, so I kind of just sat with her and held her hand. And I finally asked her, I said, Georgia, what are you doing? And she just had her hand up on the window because it was a cold day out and the sun was coming through the window. And she says, I just wanted to feel the warmth of the sun. And she had her hand up there on the window. And here's a woman that is physically falling apart and dying, but yet still has life. And you know, it was a tough time, but she had life because she knew where she was going and she knew that she was born again and saved in Jesus Christ. You can have life and death. And so when it promises you life here, it means revived, refreshed, fresh water. There are some people, and there may be some of you here today that are falling apart physically. It is a struggle to get up and go. But you still have life because of what the Lord has done. And that word health, that word health literally means sound mind. I've met people once again that if you would look at them physically, they do not have good health. But they have a strong walk and relationship with the Lord, and their mind is healthy in God. That's health. That's spiritual health. So often we look at life as being physical. Listen, I've met some people that are physically in great shape, and they do not have life. Their life is horrible. It's miserable. 
I've met some people that are falling apart physically, but they have life. I've met some people that you would think are healthy, and they don't have a sound mind, I'll tell you that right now. And I've met some people that you look at them and say, boy, your life must be miserable, and they say, no, I got the Lord, what else do I need? So when you look at these words of life and health, etc., remember what that means, because there's two paths. And this is what it says here in verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. See, there's two paths. Two paths. Path of life, and then verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. Wisdom keeps you on the right path. Now, sometimes wisdom doesn't sound like the fun path, does it? I mean, think about this. For any of you that have ever raised kids before, you know sometimes being a parent, you're not the fun person. You know, you just, they can't, there's certain things they can't do. You can't go out and play on the road. You can't walk around with sharp objects. You can't do this, you can't do that. Wisdom tells me I need to tell you these things and train you of these things because therefore I love you and I want you to walk on the right path, the safe path the path of life. See, God does the exact same thing. When he says, why don't you stay away from that? He's not saying, I'm trying to strip you of all joy in life. He says, I'm trying to keep you safe and healthy in life. You know, so when God says no, he says no for a reason. But the problem is people look at the things that he says no to, says, ah, he takes away all the fun stuff. You know, I'll be the first one to say, the Bible says that there's something called the pleasures of sin. If sin was not enjoyable, we wouldn't want to do it. But here's the thing. It says the pleasures of sin for a while. Those things that we think that are causing joy and fun end up usually coming back to bite us. It's amazing how when someone hits rock bottom and they come in and they want to talk, those things that you, they thought brought them joy no longer bring them joy. I had a guy come into my office uh, well, it's probably been a few years ago. Somebody from the community said, you just need to go talk to a pastor. So he called me up. Never met him before. In fact, never really talked to him since. He kind of just came and went. He was struggling with some big drug problems, some big alcohol problems. He was not having joy. He was not having life. And he was not having health. He was not having any of it. But here's the thing. Wisdom told him to stop. But he didn't want to. And you know what? I've never heard anybody say, wow, I wish I did more drugs. I wish I drank more. I wish I wasted more in my life with that type of stuff. They don't want to do it. Wisdom says don't. But the problem is they've gone down this path of wickedness. And have you ever been on one of those roads where you know you're going the wrong way and you really just want to go the other way and you can't find the exit to get off? Sometimes that's what happens in life. You get yourself on a path, that path of wicked, and you're like, this is not the way I want it to go. But how do I get off? I've seen that in marriages. I've seen that in life. I've seen couples come to me privately in marriage saying, this is not how I want my marriage to be. This is not the spouse I want to be. Okay, well then make changes. Well, I'll make changes when he makes changes. I'll make changes when she makes changes. They know they're going down the wrong path. They don't know how to make the turn. See, there's a path of wickedness. And wisdom says this is how you get off of it. What's the best way to get off the path of wickedness? Look at verse 14. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. That's, that's the first step. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't go down that path. Because when you go down that path, it's going to cause heartache and pain. And there's warning signs. The Holy Spirit gives you warning signs. God gives you warning signs. But what do we do? We ignore them. Now, 
Many of you probably come out here to church. If you live on that side, you probably take 18 to get out here, right? And you know that bridge is out on 18, correct? Okay, well, we live right on that same road. You know, 18 becomes Road E, which becomes Hammondsburg and Wood County, and we're right there. So when I come out to church, I just usually come straight that way. Now, the week of VBS, there was that sign coming up saying, this bridge will be closed starting, what was it, July 26th for the next 30 days. They warned us, right? So the first Monday comes. And there's this big sign right at 65 and 18, and I'm coming where it says, road closed, right? So what do I do? I keep going straight. Okay? And there's another sign that says, and I'm not even paying attention. And so I get to the bridge, and I have to turn around and go back. And you know what? Then I'm bothered because, well, they should have done this and they should have done that. There was warning signs, there was postings, there was ever, I just wasn't paying attention. And so my life had to make a U-turn and go back. The whole point of it is there were warning signs. I just didn't see it or I didn't want to see it. See, here's the thing. Most of the time when you're going down a path you don't want to go, you, you know it. There's nothing mind-shattering about this. You know it. You know that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Wisdom that goes one step further, and it says right there in verse 14, avoid it, do not travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Just stay away from it. How simple is this? If there's something you know that's going to cause heartache, pain, or hurt, you stay away from it. Now that is not mind-blowing, and you don't even need to write that down. That is just such a statement of fact. But yet, why is it as human beings do we not realize that? Because we're not walking in wisdom, we're walking in the flesh. Verse 14, they do not sleep unless they have done evil. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the wine of violence. There's two paths. There is wisdom and there's the path of wickedness. So there is practical wisdom that we talked about. Practical wisdom that says make smart choices, that says this is going to hurt you. There's no reason to go down that path. That's just practical. But there's a spiritual wisdom too. Turn, if you will, to uh, Luke chapter 7. Because here's the thing. You can have practical wisdom and still not be right with the Lord. I know a lot of wise people. But a lot of these wise people don't have the spiritual wisdom. Where does that come from? Luke chapter 7, if you will, please. We've talked about the practical wisdom that protects us. Now let's talk about the spiritual wisdom. Luke chapter 7. Let's go ahead and start here in... Um, Verse 33, it says, For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you said he has a demon. What Jesus is basically saying, okay, you guys didn't like John the Baptist. He said he was too strange. He's got a demon inside of him. Verse 34, The Son of Man, Jesus, has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber. He says, so I come, and I live a quote-unquote normal life around you, and you don't like me. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. So he says, John the Baptist was strange. He lived out in the wilderness, ate locusts with honey, and wore camel's hair, whatever. And you didn't like him because he's strange. I come and live among you, eat with you, drink with you, live with you, and now you call me a glutton and a wine bibber. What does he say in verse 35? But wisdom is justified by all her children. Now that's interesting. Wisdom is justified by all her children. And then if you're taking notes, just write this verse down. 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Jesus became wisdom for us. See, what Jesus is saying here is wisdom is justified by all our children. And in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Jesus became wisdom for us. He says, my descendants, if you will, my children, will prove to you that it was the right choice. 
And so therefore, by us accepting Christ and walking with Christ, we are proving to the world that the right path is Jesus. We are justifying wisdom. We are justifying Jesus. Pull this into full perspective here. When you make a choice that is a choice based in wisdom, but which does not line up in the world, in time, your choice will shown to be the right choice. Wisdom will be justified because it is of God and it is right and it is proper. And you have to have faith and trust that that choice that you made, prayed over, sought the Lord over, and prayed over in God, will be proven to be right and acceptable in the Lord. It will be justified in time. Turn, if you will now, real quick, to James chapter 3. The problem is we don't like it when things are justified in time. We like the immediate results to look good and to sound good. And we don't like it that when maybe generations down the road... That's when the fruit comes. Let me ask you this. If we could come to you right now and promise you, your kids, your grandkids, whatever, would be saved and walking in the Lord, you'd love that promise, right? Now, what happens if we would tell you that's a promise you're not going to see while on this earth? Oh, that's tougher, isn't it? Because we want the immediate results from right now. We don't want to know in faith that everything's going to be okay. I want to know immediately right now. God says, no, wisdom is justified in time that you'll see the results of this in time, that it's the smart choice, it's the right choice. History has proven this again and again and again. You know, I'm a fan of history. I love reading about stuff, and it's amazing when you go look back over the United States and you look over some of the things that happened. The Louisiana Purchase in 1803 when we bought Alaska. It was originally called Seward's Folly. That's the guy that bought it. They said this was dumb. And now you look, and you look at the wisdom that came out of that. Those are smart decisions at the time. History shows that. Spiritually, it shows it. There's been times out here at church where we've made decisions, and people have said, what are you doing? And publicly, we say, this is where the Lord's leading. Privately, I said, I don't have a clue. You know, God's saying, do it. I just got to have faith, wisdom. See, wisdom in time is justified. See, because look at this. Verse 13 of uh, James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. See, what's wisdom? Wisdom is shown in your actions. I see wisdom by the choices that you make. When somebody tells me how smart they are, and I see a really dumb life, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is shown in the choices that you make. Verse 14, But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. See, when I see somebody whose life is full of those things in verses 14, 15, and 16, bitterness, envy, self-seeking, anger, frustration, confusion, whatever, that is not a wise person. They may think they are, but that is not wisdom of God. Because what's wisdom of God, verse 17? The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. See, wisdom of God, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. See, when somebody comes to me and says, I've prayed about this and this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to go tell that person this and that. No, that's not of God. Because that's not peaceable. That's not willing to yield. That's not full of mercy. That's you. That's what you want to say. Wisdom is sometimes saying, I want to say something, and I'm deciding to keep my mouth shut. That's wisdom. And so when somebody comes to me, and they're full of anger and frustration and bitterness, and they tell me they prayed about it, then they probably need to go pray some more. 
Because that is not. Look at the two wisdoms here. Demonic earthly wisdom, verses 14, 15, and 16. Bitterness, envy, etc., confusion. Verses 17. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. See, when I say willing, see, sometimes when people come to me and they're frustrated and angry and I read them this verse, willing to yield, they say, willing to yield? I've yielded for the last 10 years on this. I'm not giving in anymore. No, that's still anger. That's still frustration. So are we never allowed to get angry? No, there's a righteous anger. There is. But here's the deal, and I can't say this for you, but I can say this for me. I know when I have righteous anger, and I know when I just have anger. I've never been confused on it. I know when I'm in the flesh. I know when I'm just angry to be angry. And I also know when I'm being a hypocrite, when I try to make myself sound spiritual while angry. I know it. Now, I may tell you I'm right. I may tell you I prayed. I may tell you this is what the Lord says, but in my heart, I know it. I'm wrong. I know it. And see, and this is what happens here. Wisdom, spiritual wisdom, is first off, it's Jesus. In Luke and 1 Corinthians, it says wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus is wisdom for us. So when somebody says they're wise, well, the best wisdom you can have is a personal relationship with Christ. That's the smartest thing you can do. And when you have that relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, so verse 17, you are now pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, etc. That's wisdom. Because if you're over in verses 14, 15, and 16, eh, that's not wisdom. That's the flesh. And so what Proverbs is trying to tell us here is you need practical wisdom to make smart, everyday choices, but you also need spiritual wisdom, which is that strong walk with Christ. When you have both when you have both, now back in Proverbs chapter 4, you will have verses 8 and 9. The honor and the grace and the glory. Not for us personally, but you'll be walking in wisdom. And what will it be like? Verse 18. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. See, that's wisdom. When you're so shining for the Lord that people just see your walk with Christ. That's the way it's supposed to be. Because look at verse 19, contrast verse. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Haven't you seen that? I've seen people that walk in darkness, and as they walk in darkness, they don't even realize the pain they're causing them. They're stumbling around left and right. I see the husband snapping at his wife, wondering why his marriage isn't strong. You see the mom snapping at her kids, wondering why there's not a better relationship. You see the guy full of anger and everybody's always wrong and he's the only one that's right and he can't figure out why work doesn't go well because there's such pride there. You know, they are walking in darkness, stumbling, and they don't even see it because they think they have it all figured out. Wisdom sometimes is stopping to say, I don't know anything, Lord, give me wisdom on what to do with this. Verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Here's the key, guys. Now we're getting down to the application points. We've stated verse 7 is the key. It's the principal thing. We've talked about raising kids in wisdom from an early age. We've talked about how wisdom is really Jesus. Now, here's the thing, though. You can hear all this stuff. You can walk out of here today. But unless you do verses 20, 21, 22, and 23, and what is that? Take it and put it in your heart. Look at the end of verse 21. Keep them in the midst of your heart. 
Look at verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now, depending on some of your translations, that word diligence literally means to guard. If you have NIV or New Living Translation, it actually says guard. God says you have to put some effort into this. And that's the thing that comes up. Now, let's just be honest here. And I don't mean to pick on anybody when I say this, but here's the truth of the matter. We can sit here all day and talk about practical wisdom and spiritual wisdom and do the right thing, but are you going to do it? That's what it comes down to. Are you going to take the words that are spoken? Are you going to take what the Lord is saying here through the Scriptures and say, I want to put it in my heart? I really want to do what this passage says. And I can tell you that's what I struggle with. There's stuff right now the Lord's been working on my heart with. And he says, okay, James, just do it. So I'm reading through the book of Job right now for devotions. And what keeps coming up in the book of Job? Committing your way to the Lord. Even during trials and tribulations, committing. And I'm getting so sick and tired of God telling me, just do it. But this is what he's saying. You can hear it. You can see it, you can read it, you can talk about it, but unless you take these lessons and these points and put them in your heart and say, I really want to make changes in my life, what good does it do? And that is what the writer here is trying to say, is put them in your heart. So now let's stop and say, let's do this. Okay, Lord, I want to put this stuff in my heart. How can I practically live for you? He gives three examples here of what we can do. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Okay, point number one, wisdom. How is your mouth? Are you saying things you shouldn't say? Are you a gossip? Are you somebody that likes to cuss all the time? Are you somebody that you have the power to tear down people with your words? Do you know that you are strong and mighty in words and that you can win every argument and win everything and you know with those certain people, if you just say the right thing, you can make them just melt because you are so strong in words. God says put those words away. Wisdom is not using your mouth and not using your lips as a weapon. Wisdom is not letting perverse lips come out of you. How many times have we said this before? That when the world and Christians are talking the exact same way, there's a problem with that. I'm not saying that we need to go around saying, praise be to God and Jesus every single moment of our life. But when I run into a Christian that is saying the exact same things the world says in the exact same manner, in the exact same tone, man, Dawn and I were someplace recently, and there was a mom getting her kid out. Of the, I'm assuming it was the mom getting a kid out of the car. The kid was probably about the same age as Judah and Elias. And I didn't see the kid do anything bad. There may have been more stuff going on before. She was dropping so many words, horrible words, and just her tone and anger and frustration. And I'm thinking, that's just not wisdom. But what's going to happen in years? She's going to push that kid away from her. And I see so many parents respond in such anger, tone, towards their kids, or towards their spouse, or towards other people. So, verse 24, what's your mouth like? Is there perversity coming out of your lips? Are you saying things you shouldn't say? Are you doing things you shouldn't do? Then you need to stop. That's the first one. Look at the next one. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and let your eyelids look right before you. How are your eyes? And this is another one we struggle with as Christians. Is there so much stuff out there, just so much stuff that we shouldn't see? And that we shouldn't do. I don't know about you guys. And when I mean this, I literally mean the men here. I don't know about you men. But you know, it's tough sometimes to even go out in public. Because you never know what other people are going to be wearing or going to be doing. Dawn and I were at the zoo this week. Went to look at the Avery, look at the birds. And there was this one woman that was dressed uh, not very appropriately. So anytime she got near, Dawn would look angry at her. And then Dawn would look angry at me. It's like, I'm not looking! <laughs> I didn't do this. 
So she made me stay in the back, and she's like, you know, let them get farther ahead. And so I, she said, so I opened the door to let these other people go through, and then there's somebody else that comes in. You basically trade one poison for the other poison. Don gets mad at that. You know, rightfully so, but I'm just saying is, it is all over the place. So as men, let our eyes look straight ahead. I remember one of my favorite passages in the book of Job is where Job writes, I've made a pact with my eyes to not wander to the left or to the right to look at the young maidens. Job was written probably about four to 5,000 years ago. What were the young maidens wearing four to 5,000 years ago? They were covered head to toe. There was nothing to see. But Job is still saying, I'm not going to let my eyes wander there. And the problem is, and the guys, as Christian men, we need to be different when it comes to the things of the world. We can't let our eyes wander and let our eyelids go places it shouldn't. And it's not even just with that. It's with anything for men and women here. If there's programs or shows or something that we should not be watching, then this does not watch it. If it's inappropriate, then it's inappropriate. Wisdom says stay away from that. That will bring you down. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet and let all ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. This puts it all in perspective now. Watch what you say. Watch what you see, verses 26 and 7. Watch where you go. I'm not going to sit up here and be legalistic and say, as Christians, you should never go here, you should never go there, you should never do this. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom. But guys, as believers, there are a lot of places that we probably just don't need to go. There are a lot of places that we probably should just stay away from. It's wisdom just to say, you know what, nothing's good is going to come out of going there. Nothing's good is going to come out of hanging out with that person. Nothing good is going to come out of building that relationship with them. I'm not saying that we run to the fort and hide and never talk to anybody. The Bible says we need to go out there and be light and witnesses of the world. He says, occupy till I come. But at the same time, too, we have to be careful of what we build relationships with. And we've got to be careful of what we spend our time doing because where we take our feet, our heart will follow. And when we take our feet to places it shouldn't go, our heart is going to go to places it shouldn't go. And you know what? Our eyes are going to go to places it should go. Our mouth is going to go to places it shouldn't go. Wisdom says, practically, stay out of those areas and relationships and things that are going to hurt you. Wisdom says, spiritually, Jesus does not want you to go down that path because that path is going to hurt your walk with him. It's just not worth it. And so wisdom cries out to us, make the right smart decisions that are in the Lord. Now, if you're sitting here saying, okay, what are the right smart decisions? I encourage you to jump back a few weeks, go back and get our lesson that we did on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where we talked about trusting in the Lord with all our heart and seeking Him for wisdom and guidance. If you have big decisions coming up and you're like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Grab a copy of that. They may even have some copies back there. You can get online and listen to it also. Because wisdom says, seek the Lord. Proverbs 4 here, wisdom says, seek the Lord practically and spiritually and you will be blessed by that. Mark, you can come forward here for the final song. I encourage you, we um, got a lot of, I think, sign-up sheets back there of stuff going on. There's a teen event coming up here uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, harvest parties coming up. Bake sale for Right to Life. 